I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I only came here because I thought I ought to. Standing at the bar, no one I knew to talk to. I said hello to you because we met at that thing last year. 20 minutes. Still stood here. We only talk for two ticks, but something clicked. Hey, can we be friends? Sorry if it seems like I'm not making sense, but this is not a thing I thought would happen again. That I'd say, hey, hey, can we be friends? Hello, and welcome to Desert Isolation Discs the show in which I cheekily chat to people who absolutely love music. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat today. Imagine you're going down to the pub with someone who always makes you chuckle and they like great music. Now imagine that person is MJ Hibbert and you get to hear that music as you chat. Great, hey? He's a giant of the British indie pop world. Uh, Together with his band The Validators, he's been gigging for years. He actually created his first band on the way back from a school art trip to London. And his list of accolades include releasing the first ever internet single, getting loads of recognition on the likes of the BBC and Rolling Stone, and most importantly, single-handedly creating lively crowds from Portsmouth to Peterhead. He's even created his own dance, The Indie Kid. I've shuffled it many times. It's great. He's fiercely independent. He releases everything he does on his own cheeky imprint, Artists Against Success. He's got a fantastic new album out. I urge you to listen to it. It's called Still Valid. We chat about that, the recording process, gigging, football, his beloved Peterborough United, and how he turns a room of people who don't like him into a room of people who love him. It's great. I won't stop you from listening to it now. Let's have a listen. So, Mark, welcome to Desert Isolation Disc. Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, we're in a pub in the city in London, uh, quite upstairs of a pub, beautiful carpet. Yeah, proper. <laughs> The perfect place to start discussing music. Um, yeah. So how did you compile your list for me? Well, what happened was I had several showers and a couple of baths <laughs> and thought about it and then thought about it a lot. And then uh, when I came out, I sat down with my missus mm. and I said to her, you know, I'm going to tell you my list, see if there's anything I've missed, anything, you know, anything screaming the obvious. Mm. And she said, no, why don't I just guess what's on your list? And then she did guess. She got five out of the eight straight away. That's not bad. And then the other three, I went, oh, yeah, I should have that. And instead, she, <laughs> <laughs> she persuaded. <laughs> I just reminded you of things so, you so, so this will feature that band I'm always on about. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> All the hits. And obviously the Beatles. So, you know, this, this, is, this is how it was chosen. <laughs> and uh, presumably songs that you sing along to in the shower, then. All songs I can sing along to in the shower, yes. <laughs> So where are you starting us off? I'll start with, uh, my first one is Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. Hey. Because uh, I grew up in the 1970s. Mm. If you grew up in the 1970s, if you had a mother in the 1970s, this is the song that soundtracks it. I think everybody's mum, 
when I was growing up, everybody's mum loved Neil Diamond. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so this just, any time I hear this, I can smell the back seat of my mum's Mini. <laughs> uh, as everybody's mum had a Mini in the 1970s as well. So, yeah, I just, I, 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 I love this song. So that was pre-taped, that was, she was relying on that coming on the radio. Oh, no, she, I think she, I don't know, no, she no, must have had a tape, must she? Well... Or maybe she's just okay. singing it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. It always seems to be like, yeah, it, well, it was this and Seasons in the Sun was another one that always, was always on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, Sweet Caroline, you say, it's, it's, it's a through line through my life via my mother. But you know, it was, it was my mum likes uh, Smokey Robinson, that's who my mother likes. Hey. So she's got her, yeah. uh, she had a very meagre collection of vinyl yeah. records. Yeah. Uh, but they were excellent vinyl records that my mother had. Yeah. yeah. My, my stepdad liked the Moody Blue, so he's a vinyl collection. <laughs> Don't listen to this, Chris, but he's one was terrible. But my mum had a lot of soul music. Because um, I come from Peterborough, and mm. you know, this, it was a hotbed of Northern Soul, weirdly, mm. in Peterborough. So yeah. Yeah. Extra, very strangely. Very uh, great, let's have a start off in the old diamond. Where it began, I can't begin to knowing, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you So, Peterborough, 1970s. Yeah. What did we find you doing? Uh, what kind of lad were you? <laughs> um, a small, round, um, shy uh, boy. Yes. <laughs> Grumpy. Well, at the moment, my I've got a nephew. My nephew, Noah, mm. is um, basically me. He lives in Australia. <laughs> and every time they go, oh, God, he's just sitting in the other room reading his comics. It's <laughs> all... <laughs> So yeah, they, they they keep trying to persuade him not to be, and I keep thinking like, why are you trying to cure him of being me? Be what a wonderful thing that will be to grow up as. Um, but yes, that's what I was like. A, a, a small boy sitting in his own reading a comic. Of course now. Yeah, of course. And now, now I, 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 I'm much bigger. Uh, still a comic fan? Still a comic fan. Yes, well I'm still a PhD. Oh. Uh, in a couple of months time on Marvel comics. Oh really? So yes, in three to four to five to six seven years, I'll hopefully all being well be a doctor of Marvel. Uh. <laughs> what do you hope to get out of that? An excuse to read lots of Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. It's mostly yeah. white. Well, no, that's not sure. Of course, I see. Now, the other thing I want to get what? out of it is to say Doctor Hibbert, actually. Yeah. That's basically, those are the two things. <laughs> Surely worth the best part of a decade. And several thousand pounds. <laughs> but, um, I mean, what will it say at the top? I'm, I hope you've got some sort oh, of... Oh, the thesis, yes. The thesis yeah. is uh, Marvel team-up, colon. Mm. Uh, the Bronze Age of Marvel Comics is a model for transmedia collaboration. Well, I mean that—that's going to take you seven years. Sounds to... pretty good. Sounds <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's your second choice? Uh, second choice is the Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. Mm. 
Uh, not my favourite Beatles song, not anybody's favourite Beatles song. I would, you'd have to be mad to have this favourite Beatles song. <laughs> I bloody love the Beatles, that's my favourite. <laughs> I recently started listening yeah, to Beatles in mono. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, after all these years of people saying it was better, when you listen to it, you'd like go, oh, Christ, it really is. And oh, really? It's, it's amazingly better. It's mm. just a different... It's like um, listening to Sgt Pepper. For my whole life, I thought, well, Sgt Pepper's all right. I don't see what people go on about it for. But then you listen to it in mono, and it's like... Holy wow! Right? It's, it's incredible. But I chose Magical Mystery Tour because I, 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 the film The Magical Mystery Tour again, not a film I'd watch often. But what I really love about that film, what I love about the Beatles, is because 90, so it's nineteen sixty-seven, nineteen sixty-eight. Everybody is all the pop stars are on drugs. They're discovering the secrets of the universe. Mm. Uh, there's people like the Doors or whatever are swatting around, going, "Oh, we're massive rock stars. We're really, really important. We're like gods to mm. you." And the Beatles go, "Well, we found the answer to the universe." A, we're going to share it with you, and we're going to do it by getting on a bus with some pensioners. <laughs> and it's like, I, I just know that's so, that's what I love about the Beatles, because the Beatles, the Beatles didn't go, we know the answer to life, and we might tell you. Mm. The Beatles go, everybody can join in. This is for everyone. Yeah. And I say in the Mag- Magical Mystery Tour, it's just such a, you know, like, but you're the biggest band in, in the whole world ever. You could do anything you like. And yeah. basically, what you've done is you're having pat lunches for a week. <laughs> and. and Titting around with crates of beer and all people, and I just think that's so wonderful. That's yeah, yeah. So I just think for for basically gods to do that, I just (laughs) now it's it's impossible to imagine. (laughs) Uh, Brilliant. Well, let's go on our own magical machine tour then. That was a slick link. Always (laughs) so slick. We haven't properly introduced you. Um, one, you're a fantastic musician, and two, you've got a new album out. Oh, I've got really a new excited. album. I've got a new album. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, uh, got an album. It's called Still Valid. Uh, it's the, the the whole idea of it was for years and years and years, and all the, all the decades have been doing this. Mm. Um, me and my band have always said, "What we should do? What we should do? Do a half hour long album, mm. ten songs, half an hour. It's like a show about Ray. Yeah, go in, do them." Jobs are easy, easy, and we've always ended up doing like a science fiction rock opera about space dinosaurs. Or something. <laughs> Which, you know, that's what our last album was. So yeah. We took years and years, and especially after the last one, we took so long, so long, so long to do. We said, "Look, we're just simple songs." You know, he said the last album took three years. Come on, so we, that's what we did, really, and it took four years somehow to do that. <laughs> and it's like I kept saying to it, all the way through, I'm like, it's not going to be a concept album. It's not going to be a concept album. And I finished it and I go, this appears to be a concept album. It's not advertising. I'm not advertising it as such. Mm. And I'm not saying it is like September of My Years by Frank Sinatra, but it's basically like September of My Years by Frank Sinatra, but from an English person's point of view. So yeah, so all the songs are about. Uh, being being a grown adult of um, <clears throat> years old <laughs> in the current club. No, but and and 
that's what makes them fantastic. I mean, did you have to? I suppose you, by the sounds of it, you composed them over the years. But did yeah. you have to think about what your place was in the music scene or your friend? There's a lot about friendship in yes, there and the friendships yeah, yeah. that you make through music. Yeah. And, um, well, there you know, is, there is. You, you sort of do this sort of stuff, and well, you see, it's things happen. I think mm. things happen. You know, when you're a teenager, most of things happen is like you're trying to get off with girls. Yeah. And so that's what people write songs about. Yeah. And, and then I think you get older, you go, then a lot of miracles have been things I've talked to in pubs to people. Yeah. And now I don't go to the pub as much anymore. Cause, you know, I've, I've got a nice flat and a nice missus and you sort of think, well, I'll just stay here. Yeah. So now it's like, well, it's things I think about in the shower or talk about to her. Yeah. Or talk to the few friends I have left <laughs> on the email and stuff. So, yeah, so it, it is, every now and again, some of the songs will be me going, oh, hang on a minute, rather than just, like, think, thinking about that in the shower to myself. Yeah. I could write a song about that. Yeah. And then a lot of the songs have been, I've been doing sort of rock operas. Yeah. My friend Steve for the past eight years. So some of them are songs I've written for that, and then mm. there's one that, we, then others are written for, one was written for a football compilation, one was written for a, a theme tune to a podcast and this sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they've, they've sort of gently come about over the years that way. How does one approach writing a rock opera? Carefully. Very, very carefully, young man. I speak to one who knows. I don't know. I don't I really, I really don't know. Uh, I think what basically, they just sort of happen. I've, one of the things I've been doing for the past few years, I've, I did their main yeah, screenwriting. Mm. So the last but one rock opera I wrote was all written with the three-act structure mm. and subtext and uh, you know character arcs and all this sort of thing. By the time we did it, and it's done by me and my friend Steve yeah. and some weeks. Mm. Uh, so there was about fourteen characters in it and stuff. But by the time we actually performed it, nobody knew what the heck was going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about rewriting as a film with actually enough people to do it. But no. So then the next one I wrote, I didn't do any of that. I just sort of thought, here are some songs. What's the sort of thing I'd like to do? And there's one story. And there's about five characters. <laughs> so it's it's adaptable. But the I say the weird thing is. I the I wrote the fifth one, Hey A sixteen K, and then we performed it around the country for a year. Then I went to see a pantomime, mm. and it turns out what I wrote was a pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it was. You <laughs> it's behind you. Yes, it is now. It's all behind you, Terry. So, what's your next choice? Uh, uh, my next choice is "Don't Come the Cowboy with Me, Sunny Jim" by Kirsten McCall. Because <laughs> I love Kirsten McCall. I sort of think. Um, I honestly think if that the only way the Smiths would have been better if they were Kirsten Nicole up front rather than Morrissey. Mm. Much, much, much like the Morrissey, obviously it's a matter of my age. But yeah, I, it's one, I've, I've tried to put this out chronologically really. I do remember working in a kettle factory uh, when I was 19 mm. uh, between Summer Hollies and Polly and uh, being introduced to Kirsten Nicole. Mm. Um, I think I'd, I'd heard one of her songs in St Martin's Records in Leicester but then I got the tape and I... I just love Kirsten McCall. I think she's got yeah. she's got such a turn of phrase yeah. that I love. And the things she talks about and the way she talks about them. I mean, she's a brilliant singer. Yeah. And the way she arranges uh, the vocals, it's one of those things that is a complete mystery to me that I'd never be able to do. But, yeah, everything about the, the phrasing, um, the vocabulary she has, the way she puts it together, the sort of heart that she's got, because all of her songs are like... I think Kirsten Cole would be. I think a lot of people would think this. But you think well, Kirsten Cole would obviously be a great friend to have because mm. she'd be fun yeah, can you and strong <laughs> and, and care. Really. I just thought yeah. she might not have been. I don't know, but I mean that's how it feels when you listen. That's what mm. it comes through on the songs. And I chose this particular song because it just seemed the most 
goes to Mikolish. I mean, the one I yeah. think of is Days, because, you know, to be honest, but that's you like that. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is on Kite, which, again, is just one of the best albums ever made by anybody yeah, ever right. existed. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Some boys with warm beds and cold, cold hearts can make you feel nothing at all. They'll never remember and they'll never mind if you're counting the cracks in the wall. They're quick and they're greedy, they never feel guilty, they don't know the meaning of hurt. Just go back on the socks that had stayed on The next time they see you, they treat you like dirt The next time they treat you like dirt Now don't come the cowboy with me, Sonny Jim I know lots of those and you're not one of them There's a light in your eyes, tells me somebody's in And you won't come the cowboy with me so Mark, uh, another thing on your fantastic music is that it's it, got this just wonderful light touch and your turn of phrase is always magnificent. Um, how do you find uh, playing it live when you're... Uh, do you always... Often you put on your own gigs or, or, yeah. or work on the bills. Do you deliberately structure it with people whose tone will, will fit with yours or do you, do you do anything to make sure it doesn't jar when you come on you're like, hey, look, I've got these... Fun songs about football or being in a band or uh, you know uh, touring around the country and that kind of thing. No. <laughs> oh, great! Well, no, it's good too. No, yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I feel quite. I feel quite strongly about it actually because um, throughout my career in rock, mm. um, I, I've I, I started off doing uh, the, well, the gigs. I remember the first gigs I used to do in London was coming down playing the Bull and Gate as mm. it was, and then you'd just be stuck on a bill with whatever bands. Yeah, had applied to play, and they thought, and I said they bring a coach later down with. Yeah, and I like those gigs yeah. because it's a challenge. Because I, I enjoy because whenever I play, because mm. not many people like me, uh, but the, whenever I play, it's like there's not my audience. I don't really, I very rarely have an audience of my own to play to. Yeah, and I like that because it's a challenge to persuade other people's fans to like you, especially yeah. other people's fans' girlfriends. The, <laughs> I, I love getting them to like that because other people's fans hate that. When Why do they? Are they crossed arms normally? Or oh yeah, no, the boyfriends. No, it's because the boyfriends. Especially if it's old girlfriends of the bands are the best people to make like. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> but once bands you don't know, yeah, it's it's, it's I find them more fun because you because you have to work to get those people to like you and persuade them. That mm. I think that's really the, the way I write songs has been formed by. Writing a song that I know I can get across yes. to an audience of people I haven't come to see. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing to do because then I think the temptation is after a couple of years of doing gigs, mm. then you can go and play properly thought out bills. Yeah, with people who are like you. Yeah, which is nice, which is really good fun. But then I think you sort of stop developing in the same mm. way, and you can sort of pander to that audience. Yes, I mean I've known I'm on like my fifth iteration of the indie scene. I think I'm on now. Yeah, and every time it happens, you see these great bands turn up. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so the original example was Airport Girl. If you remember them, who were, I loved Airport Girl, great band, played loads of gigs. Yeah, then they got into the scene, played gigs to people like them already, yeah. and then they did a country music, and it was in the nice spots for the nice people. It's yeah. awful. You <laughs> what are you doing that for? I think that that's what can happen if you just play to people who already like you or who are likely to like you. You'll do songs that they want to hear. Yes. That, because they're because it's like, going, well, this is what I write anyway. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, all my songs sound the same and always have done from the <laughs> It must be because I was doing the right thing. <laughs> but I, th- I think if you do, so when I do my Toby Cousy mm. um, So that's your that's your podcast that you record yeah, here in yeah. London and uh, you, you had the pleasure of hosting other people and, exactly, and playing. Exactly, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, put, I do not put any thought into it at all about having people come back. Sometimes it does happen that way. Mm. But I like it better when it's people who have never met, have never played before. I had yeah. um, Simon Love playing with Keto Pops is also on the celebrity his band and yeah it was brilliant because I, I didn't really play before but it's all like yeah, this really works this is yeah. people anything and I think there's so many like especially with indie music especially nowadays everything we connect to the internet like that yeah. it forms tiny ghettos of groups of people who will play together Absolutely. I think sometimes if you just slam them together mm. It doesn't always work, so, yeah. but then you think, well, something new comes out of this, and people meet other people, and you hear new stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's no. <laughs> that's a, that's a very good no. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the brilliant thing about totally acoustic is also that you get the audience to sing the theme tune, which I, I think is a masterstroke. Uh, so what's your next choice? My next choice oh. is uh, "Waiting for the Great Leap Forward" by Billy Bragg. Mm. Uh, an easy leap from Case Nicole, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I love Billy Bragg. Uh, mm. As anybody who's ever heard any of my songs can yes. clearly tell. Yes. There's, a, there's a definite line through there. Really? Sure <laughs> not. That's yeah, a compliment. When I first started doing gigs, I was uh, putting records up. My dad will often ring me and say, I've heard you on the radio. Yeah, yeah it's Billy Bragg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you know, I love Billy Bragg. I mean, like many people love Billy Bragg. I, I always think of Billy Bragg. I used to be quite cocky about it. The thing about Billy Bragg is he's never gone rubbish, has he? Billy Bragg's <laughs> And then he really did go. And then the Wilco stuff. And then mm. the... And I, you know, I think it's, it's sad with Billy Bragg now. I think a lot of you, I love Billy Bragg. I love Billy Bragg. Billy Bragg, don't you yeah. see him? still brilliant. But the songs he writes seem to, he seems to like capitulate to Womad. Yeah. Really. He's yeah. like, oh, I think I've got to write a song about this. I think, like, well, you're not writing a song, I don't know. But I, 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 I'm, I'm not so keen on it. It's like, but it's, it's early stuff. And yeah. I think the way for the Great Before is just the most. It's political, it's personal, mm. it's got jokes in it, yeah. it's exciting, and you can sing it very, very loudly along with it. It's just basically space the perfect bit of it. Yeah. In the cheese pavilion, the only noise I hear is the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer, and someone asking questions and basking in the light of the Filled minutes of the fanzine writer Mixing pop and politics He asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment And my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the right leap forward. Okay, I have to ask you another about another thing dear to your heart. It's yeah. Peterborough United, yes. London Road. Uh, tell me about your memories and how you feel your relationship with that club. <laughs> My relationship with Peterborough is the same. It's always strange when you see people talking about their team, mm. and they always say the same thing. So it's, you know, yeah. goes, "Oh, we don't make it easy." No, no, we don't make it easy. Well, yeah, nobody's easy. Right? You know, no. it's like you know, oh, we've got it. they put but, us through the ringer. Oh, it's always, <laughs> always the way. It's never boring, is it? It's what it is for other people. But, uh, but no, posh. I, I, 
on there's a song on the new album uh, about called uh, in the in the in the north which is about this yeah uh, and you know, my my entry into going to see my local team was that my granddad used to take me uh, it turns out I realised like a, about about 20 years after he died I thought hang on a minute there was a reason he was doing that well because you know my parents got divorced when I was six six mm. seven and that's my grandma and I didn't realise I never put two and two together that's when my grandma started taking me to the football so going <laughs> oh oh I see <laughs> again this is one of the things I think I go all the time my missus will tell you I go out twice a year uh, but now I go and it's like it's much more fun than going when I was ten Mm. or whatever because you know it's shorter now when I was 10 the matches went off about weeks and now you sort of get <laughs> there like, it's half time already what's going on um, but it's lovely and it's one of the, you know I, I, my, uh, my old mate from school uh, who, I, who I usually go with so, mm. he was like why don't you get a season ticket this year you know get you out from under her feet won't it and, it's, and I came home and said yeah he's, he said I should get a seat sick. and my missus going that's a good idea get you out of the house <laughs> oh actually it works yeah, and you sort of think oh that's and you know it's one of these things you get like oh, I see again that's why football works like but uh, yeah you know it's, it's, it is my team and you know, unless I mean, you're encapsulating that song it's about far more than what happens on the pitch oh god yes you know, Jesus yes a, yeah. a, a Sheffield Wednesday put me through the ring oh, yes, yes. <laughs> for a long time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah uh, and I, I think you know yeah. it's when you spot property yeah that's what that's what it's like and we, that's why you know I always think I said to tell you about Arsenal fans trying to get an Arsenal angle mm. but Manchester United you think like Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> you've just won that, and now yeah. you get what? And you think you just did it. Just, and you force yourself, I think, sporting teams like that because you think, well, you don't get the enjoyment. No. And also, to all your mates, you are that club, and they associate that with you, yes, whereas exactly. you can never yeah, yeah. claim that kind of a part exactly. of it. Exactly. What's your next choice? Make sure. Uh, now, this is definitely one when I was going to list with another after I should. Oh, that lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I chose a string bean G by Ben Sebastian. Aha. Because uh, Bell and Sebastian were one of the two bands that really changed my entire life, changed my life, this band. Yeah. I, I went to see them around the time that their second album, If You're Feeling Sinister, came out. Uh, one of my friends, one of them, Leicester, said, Oh, do you want to, we're going to go to Glasgow to go and see, oh, I can't remember the name, some other band. Yeah. They were supporting, they're supporting this band called Bell and Sebastian. I thought, Oh, we had one of their songs on. Mark Radcliffe, all right, we'll go. Yeah. And we went, and they were astounding. They were playing at the QMU, I think 1997, I think it was, they were playing at the QMU. Yeah. And they were just the best, it was the best year I've ever been to. Like every, and this is all songs I've ever heard. And it yeah. Just, I, to be fair, I had been drinking Glasgow since like one o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> they don't serve it weak up there. But it, no, they don't. But it was one of these things where I got separated from my friends. And like, yeah. halfway through the gig, they, they were doing a cover version of Real Around the Fountain. And I just listen, I was going to be like, I don't know you, but I've got to tell somebody. This is, this is amazing. And always be around me, I'm going, oh, we know. <laughs> and then I sort of followed them around the country for a couple of years, and they were dreadful lives after that, absolutely dreadful lives. <laughs> but they really, and that, this, I think all of us who went to see Ballet Spatter then sort of came back to Leicester and mm. either formed a band and or formed a record label. And suddenly we were all putting on gigs and doing stuff. And I think that happened a lot. Yeah. And I think Ballet Spatter one of these bands who ne- do not get the credit they, because they did not, they were sort of ahead of their time in terms of the internet fandom. Yeah. Because you know, they had. Tiger yeah. Mill was on tape and, mm. and they were one of the first bands to get that sort of internet fandom yeah um, but I think the, because the enemy and the melody maker um, hated them because of that because it was like 
oh, this is, ha- this is happening without permission. Yeah. So we've mocked and mocked and have never got the credit they deserve. But, you know, Ben and Sebastian changed a lot. I mean, a lot of my friends that I still have now, people I met through yeah. that era of going to gigs and being on the email. My band was formed yeah. uh, because I think most of my band members wouldn't agree with that, but it was formed yeah. because of Ben and Sebastian. <laughs> and, yeah, and this is one of the songs from... It's one of the B-sides in our first three beats. The best bits. Well, look, I, I learned this song when I used to do it. Did you? Yeah, and the words are great. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty song. I love it. most synonymous with you is that you like to write some things in capital letters yes. so I'd like to ask you for your highlights <laughs> if that sounds like it sounds like it it's a great like moment it. yeah great um, <laughs> um, well the, the one that immediately springs to mind um, is playing in the merchandising tent at Indie Trucks mm. Uh, very festive. Three years ago, yeah, lovely festival. Uh, a festival I love to play, and then it's always really difficult because we always apply, yeah. and then um, we never hear from them. So I'm still right. waiting to hear if we're playing this year. <laughs> I think possibly not at the moment. Um, but um, as I say, I said earlier that um, I've never really wanted to be part of the scene, I've never really mm. been in a scene. But then, I mean, I know everybody says that, don't they? Uh-huh. Every bloody Orlando said they weren't in the Romo scene, but. Um, <laughs> I've never felt I've, I've never thought this is my scene here I am I, the, the people I think of as my scene are all sorts of different people dotted around and different things but when we did indie tracks we, we played indie tracks every year for the first four or five years yeah and then I just sort of really thought yeah this is it this is where I belong these are my people here I am this is yeah. happening and then we didn't play for ages and it was sort of really upsetting really. I was sort of going oh, but, oh don't you what don't you want me any what's yeah. the, I mean, it was it was really I got probably really upset about it sad about it really and then um, during that time I went I went I went to the festival and John Jervis who does the merchandising tent and is loveliest man in yeah. the music official and I said oh do you want to come and do a spot in the merch tent I thought oh I can I'll do that yeah. and I remember I turned up at the merchandising tent and I was really something sort of like oh, <sighs> so that was a big side that I just did all your ways. And I just sort of think, oh, I hope this is going to be all right. I hope somebody's going to listen to me doing it. And I got there and it was packed. The most I was in town was packed. And I thought, oh God, what's happening? And I thought, there's so many people here. Everything's going to be. Something's happening. Yeah. People are like looking at all these. I was just stood outside the tent and I thought, I can't, I can't get in. <laughs> you can't get into your and own gig. And, and, and then I thought, oh no. Because, you know, in, in that tent, it's like there's all these stalls there. So people yeah. are like, everybody's buying, somebody's selling something cheap or something's happening. Yeah. So there's, I'm going to be sat in the corner like twat, <laughs> trying to shout over the noise of all these people, whatever they're doing, doing it. I thought, mm. Oh God, I felt bad about it. It's going to be awful. 
So I was trying to get in. I was, I was, oh, excuse me, it's busy here, isn't it? And this bloke turned around to me, he's like, yeah. MJ Hibbett's playing. <laughs> and it was just like choir of angels. So it's like, I went, oh my word. Ah, uh, brilliant. They do like me after all. <laughs> and it, oh, it was just the best thing that, that had ever happened. It was just, I thought, really? And it, oh, I, was, I was so happy and so surprised. Mm. And yeah, so that was. And then I did the gig, and unfortunately, I was drunk. I was playing a, a, a Frankie Machine for my band. I was playing his guitar, which he'd done a weird tuning on, which I didn't realise all the way through. <laughs> But it was fine, but that, 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 I think I would say that is definitely the highlight. I suppose that shows the vulnerability of fronting your own band because you often play solo as well yeah, yeah, as yeah, yeah, with yeah. a band as well, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you take the highs and, oh, the, and, and the lows, lows, and the lows yeah. yourself. Yeah. But that was one. And then so yeah. with the band, I guess the high point would be we did um, we did a Radio One session. Mm. Which, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. it, to be fair, we did it as Steve Lamont's Revenge against Radio One for exactly. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Mark. Uh, might as well do it now, hadn't I? <laughs> 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 so you were his, his, his sort of guilty pleasure to bring on to the... His vengeance. His vengeance. His vengeance, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, it, it definitely, yes. So, but that was amazing. You know, we went to, went to Maida Vale. Yeah. So whenever that's on television, I always go, oh, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> ah, great. And we did three songs live on Radio 1. It was, it was incredible. What's your next choice? Uh, well, my next choice is uh, the other band that changed my career. This is uh, Tallulah by Hello Darling. Ah. Uh, and especially this song, because this is a song about... Um, wondering if you've heard all the great things wondering if yes. and it's a song that answers itself because the song is saying like have I met all the people that will mean something to me have I heard all the music that will mean something to me and the answer is brilliantly we're actually going well no because there's this song now and, it, and it's just it's just brilliant it's a brilliant song I mean I think that Elizabeth is amazing yeah. and, and again she's somebody who has uh, the way she writes, I, I, I do notice nowadays when you listen to her songs, it would always, almost always starts with her like doing sort of a screenplay, sort of yeah. a dusty rope. So it always starts like that. <laughs> and, but I think she's got a really interesting way of writing songs and the things, mm. again, the things she talks about. It feels really honest. Yeah. But then it sounds great, and then the band are bloody brilliant. Yeah. I, I think you cannot. You cannot underestimate the joy of having a brilliant band yeah. in indie pop music. Because mm. I think the other bands around this time that could have been were Standard Fair. Mm. Very similar. Another great band with a really distinctive, uh, Emma and Emma, is a really distinctive singer. Brilliant songs. Uh, and and the, when the two of them came around, it was like, God, there's two really good bands in the yeah. This is amazing. This is unheard of. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and I, I, I loved it. And Alan Darling just, again, just really meant a lot to me because when their first album came out, at the time, with Sunday Face, I was like, yeah, this still works. This is something that's still oh, valid. Great band. Yeah, great. amazing band. Amazing. <laughs> and then every time you hear them, because I mean, I don't really know them very well at all, but then every time you're in Pret a Manger and they come on, you're like, whoa! Avocado Sarni. Exactly. Yeah. I'm always going to go, Mark. Do not tell people you know them. You're the people in Pretamonje don't care. <laughs> you don't know them very well. Come on. It's be like you just like glow with pride that that's happened. On the drive from solution to surface in my old university car. Had the windows down for our recon. The door was so hot that you burned your arm. It was the tail end of a summer, and the heat washed in with the breeze. And you were searching for something to sing to, 
the radio played another terrible song. But lucky for me, you found a tape with Tallulah on, and it's been a long time since I've seen all my old friends. But I really love my new friends. I've known them a long while. So, Mark, tell, tell me, away from music, yep. what does your life hold and how do you juggle that with your considerable music commitments as well? I know that's obviously been a recurring theme as you've been trying to put this album out. Yes. It's a lot to juggle, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. Because I do, well, I'm a I work, um, I'm working computers and database manager, hmm. which is thrilling, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but is it, is it, you know, for you, is yeah. it, Really? Do, do you can get enough out of it? That well, yeah. This is. I always say it's not very interesting, but then I'm now for the first time in de- donkey's years. I'm showing an office to somebody who does a similar thing to me. We oh, have yeah. a two-hour discussion about <laughs> SQL queries, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was trying to go home, but I kept thinking, "Oh, he just said something really interesting again. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to this." Oh, well, you say that, so um, yeah, it's one. It's one of those things. Computers is. Um, Something that people people of my generation sort of fell into because it didn't exist before, so you weren't trained for it. Yeah. And you do, you think, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's still the worst ways to make a living. Mm. But yes, but then as well as that, I'm doing, you know, I've been doing these rock operas for Steve mm. for ages, and um, I did an MA a few years ago yes. uh, in, in creative writing, so I've, been, you know, I've got home. Yeah, I've got family <laughs> stuff, and you, you sort of think you have, you think you've got to try and find time to do chums as well, and this like Yeah, so, yeah, it's busy, but I have lists. I have lots of lists. So that's how you. That's how you manage it, is it? It is. If you want to know what I'm doing on August thirteenth, I've got a memory stick in my bag. Get out my big list. I can tell you eight different tasks I've got that day. So, if, if all else fails, one day I'll write myself a personal management book. Yes. And say how to how to do all this at the same time as each other. With a link to the spreadsheet oh, yes. oh fantastic <laughs> and what's your next choice your penultimate my penultimate choice mm. is uh, In Another Lifetime by Gavin Osborne hey. uh, which stands in for because Gav um, it stands it, but it would be this one but I mean it could be Chris T.T. as well Chris, or Grace Peachy song yeah, there's, as I said there's, there's a few or Keith there's a few people around who who I think of as my peers mm. they probably would but you know I, I still think oh these are my children yeah. these are people doing and I chose this one because me and Gav did, we've done a couple of tours mm. and it seems to get on quite well you know and it's a similar sort of thing and he does oh he doesn't make me laugh you know we always have a lovely time um, and I, I just picked this one because it's, it's a beautiful song it's about I think it's one of these songs that you only write if you if you're a middle-aged person doing music and that's something mm. I don't I don't think it feels like it should be a dirty word because you think oh pop music that's the kids and I, sort of, I think it's a wonderful thing that over the past 10 or 20 years it's like doing this level of this sort of music has become something that people of my age can do yeah. and use to say things with because you know you, you thought that we can get by you don't have to be on the radio all the time mm. do this and I think this is a great song that Gav wrote about um, uh, from his point of view as a parent how weird it is to think that his kids will have no idea 
of what his life was before they existed. Yeah. And I always think that's really because I thought, well, you know, my parents, my grandparents were human beings like me. Yeah. And then I turned up, but then obviously nothing interesting, nothing interesting happened after that because it didn't need to. <laughs> Their lives had peaked. And so this is a song about trying to trying to explain or not wanting to explain those stories mm. to his kids. So I find it interesting because I've got kids. So it's like thinking like, all right, so I, so I still remember it the other way around. Mm. And so and yeah, and it's just it's a really beautiful song. Um, that I, about something I don't think anybody else expressed, which to me says me and Galvin are trained somewhere drunk at three in the afternoon, giggling about something, <laughs> and by attention, me and Chris or me and the band, or you know, me yeah. and basically the friends I have in rock who are, you know, some of my best friends, taking about having fun. And do you have a like a, a grand plan of what you want to achieve with music or is it just literally you know I'll take each album or each gig as it comes and enjoy it for what it is enjoy it for what enjoy it for what it is and not, yeah. not for what it is yeah, yeah. This is, exactly, exactly. This, is, this is it now I mean, with all and you've thing. invented your own dance you know you, you're, I, it's all there it's yeah. all there what, where now <laughs> where now where now <laughs> no I don't really it's funny. So I, th- I used to we used to have all these hopes and dreams and stuff um, and now like so I'm doing right I'm doing screenwriting but that's why I've diverted yeah. my ultimate disappointment <laughs> to now but, but with music you sort of think well you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen mm. I know something will happen mm. uh, we watched a brilliant thing at Paul McCartney being interviewed mm. and he was talking about the Beatles used to say something like that something like that <laughs> and yeah, we were sitting watching and that's so true and he sort of well, that's how I've always thought about when, when we're doing this album I did think like well I don't know what's going to happen, but mm. something will happen. There'll be some, everything we've ever done, there's been some stupid adventure yeah. that's come out of it. So I think, well, something will come up. And yeah. I don't know what it is. And I think with this now, I think, well, I, I, I no longer think we're going to be on the bricks or in a virtual property, you know. Mm. But we'll just have fun. And it's lovely because, you know, the Valentines are someone, they won't yeah. listen to this, they don't care. <laughs> they're some of my best friends. I, lo- I love them. I, yeah. I, I really genuinely love them. They love me as well. <laughs> so, you know, I don't mind it. You know, it's. If if something happened, if we all got, had our limbs amputated, yeah, we get people. Somebody could wear always. Somebody could wear us to a curry house and have a curry. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a band curry the other month, a couple of months yeah. ago. He's, I, I, I was just sitting like, well, as you always say, whenever we have a band curry, I always say, oh, it's so much nicer doing a gig, isn't it? <laughs> it's so much easier. And then Tim, uh, Tim was through, Tim always gets really upset. It's oh, we're not spitting the band. No, we're not spitting the band. I'm just having more curries. Stop oh, yeah. crying, Tim. Stop crying. I'm sure you could have one afterwards. Before you were born, I played accordion on a roundabout in East Dulwich and made 47 pence. Your mum fell asleep on the 176 night bus and ended up in a depot in Penge. I pretended to be a fireman come to fix a fridge in Malta Your mum had a birthday party that was so much hotter than the sun And everyone began to boil Cos she covered the house in kitchen foil For my birthday she made me a treasure hunt Starting in bed and spreading all over London Then one night I got drunk and threw prawns behind my dad's fridge Then forgot and went to Poland for a month In another lifetime In another lifetime In another lifetime In another life In another lifetime Another lifetime in another lifetime in another lifetime. So, Mark, we, I very cruelly cast you into the desert after a freak hang gliding accident. Um, how do you think you'd uh, How do you think you'd cope in those circumstances? You, you haven't been maimed or anything, you know. No, I'm just yeah, you're just you're just alone. 
No, that's how I coach. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, right. <laughs> poorly. I would have I would beat poorly. Yeah. <laughs> poorly. I very much, well, you know, everything I do is based in the modern world. You know, I work with computers. Yeah. I basically live on the internet. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm vegetarian, but a lazy vegetarian. So, you know, I, I want products that I can stick in the oven. <laughs> yeah, I don't cook anything. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hunt and kill anything unless, you know, unless there's some tofu wandering in the desert. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'd, like a, I'd like a pint at some point. You know, it's not really going to work. I, I am not bare girls. Oh, I feel I'm feeling really guilty now, but I, I will give you the complete Red Dwarf box set and the Tiger who came to tea. You know, very generous. Uh, anything else that you would yeah, like Yeah, as a look shine, I'd like some nail clippers. Oh, really? I, I have really thought a lot about this. Wow. I've had a really serious think about it. And uh, I do a message in the chat. Also. And, like, you know, I'm 45. I'm nearly 46 years old. Um, and it is true what everybody says happens to you when you get to my age. It's like, well, I always thought, you know, um, your hairline comes from your maternal grandfather. Yes. So I always thought I'll be all right because my, you know, I remember he's the one who took me to see football. So well, he kept his hair. Yeah. My grandma kept his. Unfortunately, kept up his nose. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly. So you know, my life is a constant battle with like. Combing, if you can hear that on the, that's me combing hair over places where it's missing, <laughs> cutting it off every bloody where else. You know, I want to get whitlows on my fingers like an old lady or something. Uh, so I thought, yeah, if I have paranalysis, I can at least not, di- not die of a hangnail. Yeah. I'll be able to breathe. Yeah. I'll be able to, and, you know, who knows? If I, if I find that tofu tree, I could snip some tofu off me. So that's, that's <laughs> very inventive. I like it. I like it very much. And uh, your final choice? Uh, my final choice. It's one of my songs. Hey, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be myself. Anymore. So one of, and I've chosen um, for the fate of the Earth from uh, the album Dinosaur Planet because uh, uh, so Dinosaur Planet. I'll explain it's not no bugger balls here. No, no, not. Dinosaur Planet is a uh, rock opera about space dinosaurs. Mm. It was a show I did in Edinburgh, and then we did, and it took years and years and years and years and years to make. Because when we did it, I thought I want to do this properly. Yeah. Uh, I'm only, I'm probably only ever going to do a full cast science fiction rock opera once in my life. Yeah. And having done it, I'm bloody never doing it again. It will only be one time. So I thought, well, we're going to do it properly. So um, it's, it's, it's got about 20 different people on it. Um, It's got dialogue in between the songs. It's got sound effects. It's got bloody orchestras and everything. <laughs> it's ages to do, but um, I think the song for the fate of the earth is like seven minutes long, and it kind of distills everything that I love about in it because it's got loads of my friends, loads and loads of my friends that are on it, yeah, and especially on this particular song. Um, we, ba- we recorded the bass track in one take. It was bizarre that we did it. And then it's got tons of... It's got uh, Tom from the band. It's just got him playing an orchestra. Yeah. And it's got loads of sound effects. It's got <laughs> a million guitars. It's, it's madness. The whole thing's mad. But I, I, this is... When, sometimes I think... I'm just going to listen, I, some, I do actually just listen to this song quietly on my own with my eyes closed. And yeah. And we did that. Yeah. We actually managed this. This happened. So, yeah, I picked this because this sort of, this basically reminds me of everything I've done in the crazy world of rock and roll. <laughs> Plenty to dissect. Yeah. I can think of no better place to leave it than Mark. Thank you so much for, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. coming on the podcast. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, mjhibbit.com. M-J-H-I-B-B-E-T. Perfect. Very easy to find them. Uh, that's great. I uh, can't wait to uh, listen to the final tune and people to enjoy this podcast. Yeah.
A giant robot the size of a former Polytechnics engineering building drop kicks an armored Tyrannosaur across the rooftops of a burning city, his machine gun spattering the night sky, bellowing as he flies. Then the steel behemoth itself comes under attack from a combined fleet of enhanced pterodactyls and human jet fighters, screeching missile after missile into its iron hide as it slowly falls to the street below. Where it narrowly misses a speeding car, driven by Terry with his granddad in the passenger seat, clutching a paper in one hand, a phone in the other, and between them, the answer. Iridium! Iridium! That's how you get rid of them! That rare precious metal that defines the KT boundary, which we thought was the meteorite to wipe the dinosaurs out. But no! This literature search shows it was the failed final defense of the first dinosaurs. They ignited volcanoes to try and send out a blast of death to robots. Iridium is death! Death to robots! But then his phone reception is gone As they crash into an Iguanodon Gone mad with battle, who says They try to turn, but they find themselves trapped By another giant robot, they're under attack From both sides now, surely, surely this must be their doom 